Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael. I'm here. <laughs> and my middle brother, Matthew. Getting higher every day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it feels good. Feels good. So, it, Grandpa was really excited that we beat the Broncos. He has a, a thorn in his flesh for the Broncos. I think he's still having visions of John Elway, um, who is still part of the team. So, it feels good um, to Grandpa to beat him. Um, so, we got a chance to call him tonight, and uh, I think you'll enjoy some of his particular hatred for that team. Oh. Grandpa. Hey, it's Michael. Yeah. Mark's here with me. <laughs> hey, Grandpa, how you doing? <laughs> oh, Mark. How are you? <laughs> ah, I'm well. How about the Browns? It's uh, really uh, refreshing to see how they, how they uh, pulled out there, you know? It, it couldn't have happened to a, a better team. Those, <laughs> those, 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 those damn Broncos, I'm telling you, they put more hurt on the Browns uh, over many years and for the Browns to go in there and kick their ass out there on their home field, that was the most gratifying thing I have ever watched. If they don't win another game this year, by this this season has been successful as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> you know, they they talk about you know still being in the hunt for for uh, the uh, playoffs or anything. I don't think they're going to get the playoffs, but. Nobody expected them to get this far, and I think they did one hell of a job getting this far as they did. And I think that they, their, uh, uh, their play calling and their management uh, is probably suits the suits their uh, these guys to a T. I think, I think that uh, Mayfield and his and his kitchens, yeah. they they're on the same page. You know, I I, I think that uh, I think that uh, maybe this Williams. Uh, might have got himself a job for next year, probably. So if huh? if you got to pick between Greg Williams and Bill Cower, you'd pick Greg Williams. Uh, well, I, I would like to have Bill Cower. I'd be like to. I, I'd like to have somebody <laughs> that spits in your face, but sprays you when he talks to you and puts the fear of God into you. But I I don't think that they would go way out of their way to do that if they've already got Williams in the fold. I think that. Uh, I think they may have may have come across a good good combination here. So, with uh, you know, with uh, Mayfield in there and Kitchens and Williams, uh, it seems to be things seem to be clicking. You know, in all fairness, I don't think that we, as your grandsons, have the same amount of distaste for the Broncos that you do. Help me understand why you hate the Broncos so much. Well, because of Elway. And uh, and that uh, you know what I, I was sitting there and I and I and I just had to tell Nancy I said if these if if these goddamn announcers mention the goddamn drive again I'm gonna go out I'm gonna I'm gonna blow my stack <laughs> and these son of a bitches did mention the drive this was 50 years ago for Christ's sake I said come on get off of it now I was I was hoping that the Browns the Browns would do something and 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 reverse that and and you know the. And, and dwell on some damn play that they did against these Broncos, and, and dwell on that for the next ten years. Uh, it it just just warms my heart to know <laughs> that we did that to them. Right. They, they they put so much hurt on the Browns over the years that this was very very gratifying. All right. I mean, so now so now, Grandpa, how warm will your heart be if we go on to beat the Bengals next week and then the Ravens the week after to keep them from making the playoffs? 
Well, I, I, I don't think there's any problem. I think that they will certainly beat the Bengals and, and the uh, 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 Ravens. I, I think that they, they have the mindset to do that. I don't know if they're going to, I don't know if that's enough to get them into the playoffs. I think they got to have some help from some other losses. I don't get into that because I drive you nuts by the time you say if this guy wins, this guy wins. And, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I think that they would certainly have a, be in a good position to win the next two games. Certainly, I, certainly they're going to beat the Bengals because they got Hugh Jackson there, and every place he goes, they lose games. It's so as good a logic as I can think of. Huh? That's the best logic <laughs> I've heard in a while. Yeah, every ever since he got on the Bengals staff, they've been losing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I have no no doubt in my mind that the Browns are going to beat the Bengals and they're going to go on to beat the Ravens. Uh, I think it's going to be it's going to be a fitting end to the season. And whether they get in the playoffs, I I don't know. They can't be looking too far ahead. They got to look at they got to look at the Bengals game. And that they can't look any further ahead than that right now, you know. That's a big win. We appreciated your email too. Uh, the next morning, <laughs> did you get them? Yeah, yeah, we got them. It's a little happy seasons greetings, wishing the best to you and yours, and go Browns, beat those damn Broncos. <laughs> you know, I didn't think any of those went because I looked and I looked and I went to see if the if those were uh, indicated as sent, and none of them were. Oh, you know, we yeah. got them. We enjoyed them. I, lo- oh, I well, loved good, it. guys. I'm, I'm glad. I, 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 your, your father's coming here Friday, you know, so I was going to have him take a look at that damn email. He says, I keep sending emails, and none of them, none of them seem to uh, indicate that they were ever sent. Well, Grandpa, That's I've good. gotten a couple of Christmas emails from you and Nancy. I responded to one of them. Did you get that? Oh, okay. Well, see, I, I thought that they weren't going. I was having trouble with that, with that damn email. And I, I was uh, I was trying a few other things. I even went on the went on the internet to find out what I was doing wrong and everything. It seemed like I was doing everything right, but it seems like when you send an email in in your uh, in your uh, file there, it should indicate that it was sent. I only had that there was only two in, two emails were indicated that they were sent, and they weren't to you. So I, I don't know how that works. I, I don't know either, Grandpa. Next time, well, yeah, ask ask Dad about it whenever he comes to visit. <laughs> okay. He'll know. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that the thing is working right. He's a big email <laughs> aficionado. He knows all about that. <laughs> Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns. Love all you, right. Grandpa. See you, Grandpa. <laughs> so um, I just want to take this time to let you know that our podcast is brought to you by Barbasol. Um, and Barbasol is the brand that America's trusted. All men in America have trusted for nearly 100 years. Barbasol delivers a clean, a close, and a comfortable shave. Um, if you visit Barbasol.com, you can join the Barbasol Shave Club. If you use discount code BROWNS, which is a discount code that you can only get through the Sin of Our Fathers podcast, you can get $2 off your initial shave kit order. And those shave kits, you can um, change your intervals of when you receive new refills, um, conveniently at one, two, or every four months. Um, visit com today. Good Christmas gift. Last minute. If oh. you're still trying to buy for your dad who buys everything that he ever needs. because And never he, has it delivered to his house because he's not a product of the 21st century. Exactly. 
Yeah, exactly. Barbasol Shape Club. It would be a great gift. Yeah. There we go. Um, so I, th- I think my favorite thing that Grandpa said, in he said a lot of things that I enjoyed, but I just want to address the, the emails just to give some clarification to our listeners. Uh, Grandpa sent, I think, each of us three separate Christmas emails wishing us a happy holidays from him and Nancy. And then one of them was like right after the Browns game where he added in, way to go Browns, we beat them damn Broncos. (laughs) And then the other two were just like, wishing you and yours a happy holidays. I've printed all of them out. So I need to... You printed them? Yeah. Because because my wife wife puts the Christmas cards on the the refrigerator and I wanted to put the grandpa emails (laughs) as a Christmas card next to them. Um, you still have that birthday card from Grandpa? Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> the sympathy slash birthday card. Yeah. He was like, "This I'll have to do." I love it. Um, I love his hatred of the Broncos. It gives me life. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, but we squeaked one out this week. I'm not gonna lie. We and Michael were watching the game together, and we had our doubts right there at the very end. My heart was beating hard. <laughs> Michael was stressed out. I, <laughs> I was really concerned after after Greg decided to go for that fourth and one and we didn't get it i've had this flood of emotions that was like the old browns coming back like like it just felt like the world was coming to an end that was the beginning of the end like it was turning south from there and i just saw it happening how did you did it and that was like wait (laughs) this is not normal like we just wait we just made the big play to end the game with defense like no they're supposed to get down and have a chance at a field goal and we hope they miss like that's that's our only chance (laughs) (laughs) it's like it's like how we won all of the games like two the The last like like, like, four years um so how did you feel about the the decision to go for fourth and one i hated it i absolutely hated it really like, from a logical perspective, I absolutely hated it. Talk to me about that. Because you... Okay, we it was about two minutes left, right? Yeah. Roughly two like, minutes to yeah, go. Just right? a little just over under, two. I thought it was just under. I think it's just under two. Because uh, the we two-minute warning, warning came, and then the Njoku yeah. play was right after the two-minute like warning. It's like 150-something. Um, We're and, up by one. And their offense was not doing much against us. So I felt pretty good about our defense, like being able to keep them out of the end zone. But they've been, they'd been dinking and dunking and doing stuff all day long to be able to go up by more than a field goal seemed like it was going to seal the game. Like that, to me, with the flow of the game and how it was going, I felt like a field goal wins the game. And I just don't think the risk was worth it in that particular situation. It made it all the worse whenever we forced the offsides jump and then weren't able to take advantage of it because of the timeout and all that. It just, that whole series of events from Njoku's, like, the challenge, which, by the way... That was a first down. Okay, I think it was a first down, but I can see how they couldn't make it definitively a first down. But why in the world does the ball go back to the original spot when clearly the ball is yeah. like three quarters of a so yard they said, they, further than that. Yeah, it, it's it's like when they review it, they can only just be like, "Yeah, it was a yard short. We already had it a yard short." When it's not, it's like they only work in increments of yards. Yes, no, I you agree. Know? That's where they. No, I think it is. I don't think that's true. I feel like you challenge the spot of the ball, and if the spot moves, yeah, that's what it should be. No, at least. no, we should have been inches inches shy. Correct. 
Uh, and that's fine if you want to call it that way, but there, no way in hell were we a whole yard short of the first down marker. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. We also got throttled. We weren't even close to picking up that first down. Yeah, so it wouldn't have mattered. It, w- it wouldn't have mattered <laughs> even if it was inches. But I was one hundred. I felt in my gut one hundred percent sure that Greg Williams was going to go for it there. If I had to put my life on something, it was that Greg Williams is going to go for oh. it on that fourth and yeah, one situation. Yeah, no, going for it on fourth and one. That's the equivalent of like sending your safety on a blitz up the gut. When yeah. it's fourth and ten, on on so third you, and yeah. fourth down, we did both. We sent everybody on third and fourth down to end that. Okay, game. but Matthew, you seem surprised that I no, like, I like, didn't like I like the call to go we for it on for fourth it. and one. Why? Because you see this in the NFL all the time, where the the team that gets the ball last drives down the field and scores, because the defense is playing soft, the defense is playing tentative, trying not to lose. You're giving up the underneath. It's too easy to move down the field in those situations. Our defense hadn't been playing great. We hadn't been getting pass rush with four people. That's not a situation in those end-of-game situations where you're going to send pressure. So Case Keenum was just going to sit back there and dink and dunk his way down the field and then have opportunities to go to the end zone. I was worried we were going to lose if we kicked the field goal and gave him two minutes to go all the way down the field. If you get that one yard, the game is over. Mm. If you don't get the one yard, now they've still got to go 50 yards. 50 yards to kick the field goal. Yeah. Right? And so you, you've got to trust your defense yeah. to do it. So I will say, in hindsight, looking back at it, and in particular, hearing the players talk about that call from Greg Williams, I like it more. Yeah, they because they Because they felt... Like their coach had their back and like had the oh, confidence, like, oh, we're gonna do this. Yeah, we're going for the throat. Yeah, mm-hmm. like no, we're not no, gonna absolutely. sit back. Yeah, which and is so which I is like what, that aspect of it. Which is what we have seen. The the Browns defense went for the throat this entire game. Like I haven't seen an inspired Browns defense play like this in a long time. Jamie Collins was inspired, which we had some questions about him earlier in the year but he had some tackles in the backfield that were violent. Inspired enough to get a penalty. Well, I think the you know, lights I'll take and one, I'll take one or two of those every once in a while. I think the lights at national TV is a good thing for this team in particular. They just haven't had that many opportunities to play on that sort of stage. And you saw that a little bit. Now, I will say, so that last drive, um, defense phenomenal stand on those last two plays in particular. How in the I don't know I don't even know who the Broncos' offensive coordinator is, but if you know Greg Williams, how in the heck do you not set up a screen pass <laughs> for one of those two plays? Like, how do you not have somebody set to go outside for a quick dump off? <laughs> like he didn't even ha- like it's unbelievable. On the third down play, Keenum was looking all around and couldn't find anybody, and the pressure was coming, so he had to throw it away. And then fourth down, everybody in the world knew that we were going to send a bunch of guys. We sent the house, and he didn't have a dump-off option. We sent the house twice in a row, on third and fourth down. I know. It was, it was different blitzes, but same idea. I don't, it's just so like You're, you're not wrong, Michael. It's second, idiotic. It's idiotic. If like, you look at, unbelievable. Go look, go look back at the past two years. That's how we lose games. Well, is, you, you know what a lot of it, I think, was? Is that you can't run a screen pass in that situation with the clock where it is. Like a third, if you draw up a screen pass on third down, yeah, they didn't and it, have and, they, and yep. you don't get out of bounds, which isn't a likely result of a screen pass. Like it, it could happen, but not. You're darn near screwed because now it's fourth down and you're running up to the line to try to get a playoff, and you're 
have to get the first down, but you've got to go yeah, but fast, you got to you, you you end up screwing yourself over. It was a situation that lended itself. The cards were way in Greg Williams' favor in that because the the blitz killer was kind of off the table for the offense. In some ways, I would say yes, but you've got to give yourself an option. I mean, you could you could win the game on a screen pass. Well, it doesn't yeah, <laughs> right, but, but you also could lose. So. But it doesn't just have to be a screen pass. It can be a quick out route from the tight end, or and and maybe maybe that existed. I mean, I don't know about the third down pass, but I mean Case that that fourth down blitz pepper. If you watch that live full speed, Keenum gets to like one read, going to a second read, and Peppers is in his face. Like, he's got no chance. And okay, it was a good w- job by Peppers to not lower his head into Keenum. Yeah, I was really he- worried about it. Because basically, Keenum just ducks, right? Like, he just ducks, puts his helmet there, and Peppers lowers his head to go over him and then lets up. You can see him put a, pick his head up a little bit. And just it could have easily been a penalty for helmet-to-helmet contact. On the third down play, you, don't see, it, on him. you don't see it very well, but Miles rocks him. Yes. rocks Keenum. On both of those plays, we were lucky to get away with no penalty for um, roughing the passer. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Jabril just ran right through and pulled his head up and just followed through by sprinting forward. He didn't even, like, game really make a tackle. over. Game over. I, could you imagine how – you said this, Michael, at the end of the game. Could you – like you said, could you imagine how good that feels to be Jabril Peppers and just – be a defensive player that fly finishes, through there. fly through there, get a sack, and just finish the game. Yeah. It's over. I the finished best. it. Done. It was fantastic. He had a, and I want to talk about Jabril a little bit, because that play was fantastic, obviously. Getting through there, he was unblocked, but he finished the tackle. He made it happen, got in there quick. That interception was one of the best interceptions that I've seen from a safety. He came from all the way on the opposite hash, ran all the way across through traffic, Went up and high-pointed the ball right in front of Cortland Sutton. Pulled it in, got his feet in bounds. I don't know how he snuck through there without being touched by anybody. Sneaky Jabril. catch that ball. Like, it, it was such a weird deal. Sneaky, sneaky Jabril. I don't even think he thought it was going to happen because he doesn't actually make, like, a full jump, like, at the ball. It's like a half jump, and it, it was perfectly timed. He played it well. But it was an odd. Well, could you look. imagine? Like he was coming from that opposite hash. Could you imagine running all the way across the field? The ball's in the air. Like after you've taken maybe your third step, and then you have to sprint and then turn your hips and catch the ball right at the last moment, running full speed. It was sneak around all those. It was absurd. I was worried it was going to sneak over him because there were there was nobody. Behind, Sutton was behind him. Right, and he was the there. Other yeah. defenders were were beat. Yep. I mean that's what a safety's supposed to do. Absolutely right. Cover cover your back. I'm yeah, PFF I think gave him over a ninety two grade for this game. Like he was like more than ten points better than any of the rest of our defenders in this game. Which is great. But that's what Jabril can do. Like that's when we drafted him last year, that's what you you're you're hoping to see that like diversity and that mix of, of plays where he can come on the blitz and he is physical enough to be able to do that and then he's athletic enough to be able to play over the top when you when you need to kind of mix up the look and drop him back and can can go make that play and have the ball skills to do it. He's the perfect Greg Williams safety. He can play in there in the box. He can play strong safety. That's what he did in college. But he can also do what he did on that interception. It's fantastic. Um, and Randall has been more physical than I expected uh, from this year, speaking of Greg Williams' safeties. And, 
and kind of switching those roles. And he had a couple like physical tackles like near the line of scrimmage where he either took on a like a, a pulling blocker or a fullback or whatnot, or <clears throat> tackled a tight end in space. Um, when he was with the Packers, I didn't think of him as a a big body. Maybe it was the sleeves that were like dangling <laughs> off when he was wearing. I don't know why he decided to go away from the sleeves when he came here to Cleveland, but um, he's been much more physical than I expected. Um, so there's a few things in this game I want to bring up. One is I don't think we could have asked, and Grandpa hinted at this on our call, I don't think we could have asked for a better start to the game, to like go on the road in that situation, completely dominate them on that first series. Like negative 13 yards. Yeah, it was stuff. unbelievable. Take Without, the punt. It wasn't penalties either. We yeah. just... Take the punt. Loss of yardage. We perfectly executed that long, that pass to Landry on the first play, and three plays later we scored a touchdown. I mean, it was just like bang, 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 bang. And it was like we got the ball at the 50, we stalled, and it was like third and nine. And then we were like, well, let's just go for the touchdown. Yep. Baker's made and a Perriman, lot of third and long. That was that was Baker's best, best throw of the night, probably. I would say so. Definitely the first half. Um, and Perriman's been great. That catch with we, that catch that Perriman made is not something I thought him capable of doing. Yeah, I agree. And I was thinking, can you think of something that? Okay, I actually just thought of something now that I'm saying. <laughs> I, can you think? Can you? I was going to say this is great content. Though, can folks. you think of something that Perriman has not done well since he's been around? Because like all of the narrative about him was his drops and you know being hurt and like not being available. Like there really wasn't much you could speak of positively about his NFL career prior to joining the Browns. But nearly everything has been positive since he's been here. I don't think he's had a drop. I'm quite certain he hasn't had a drop because we would no, be all over so. it. I mean, everybody wouldn't let him hear it. The, the one thing, it, yeah. do you remember that play in the first half where um, it was like two... Um, the offsetting penalties, is that what you're talking about? There was two... They, it was a, That was something Perriman did wrong. Yeah. That's true, the offsetting penalties. Yeah. But I'm remembering the routes where both Njoku oh, and, and Perriman went like, out, and Perriman drifted over right up on half, the Njoku. Yeah, Perriman got pulled half? inside, yeah, too yeah. close. And I, we think that was Perriman's issue on that particular He took it play. too shallow. So I was doing um, a little research on Perriman just because he had a really good game. That catch was amazing. Yep. Um, and just like looking up his um, combine oh, statistics and stuff like that. It was like 4 2 seven yeah. is how fast he is. And his whenever he was coming out from UCF, they said that his pro comparison – who do you think it was? Deshaun Jackson. He's bigger than Deshaun Jackson, though. Uh, Randy Moss. We're saying, hey, how are we going to find another one of these? Josh Gordon. Yeah. Josh. Josh Gordon. <laughs> That's a little bit of a stretch. Josh Gordon could have helped us on Sunday. Josh Did Gordon. Did not help us on Sunday. Josh Gordon could have helped the Patriots, too. But Yeah, that's what Michael's work. saying. It's, Josh Gordon would have made that made that catch that Perriman made in the first half. It actually shocked me that the Patriots didn't go to Josh Gordon on any of those plays at the end of that game. They're not like they're not like they're not using him that well. He's having a f- okay season, but I don't think that's a marriage that's working great. Just because the the volume isn't there, which is so funny to me because Brandon Cooks didn't work out in New England either. But Brandon Cooks is obviously great; like he's thriving 
in L.A. It's like, and he was great whenever he was in It's like Gronk is the only guy New that Orleans. they like are willing to like force feed the ball. Well, I don't get... I mean, what player would you rather throw a jump ball to at an end-of-the-game situation than yeah. Josh Gordon? Like, they, they, they had to throw... To, like, feed it into Gronk on the seam and... And people just take away Gronk Kevin now. Hogan. And that's one, like... That's the book. It doesn't make any sense to me. People just put double-up Gronk, and they won't force it to anyone else, and so they have no idea what to do. It doesn't make sense to me either. Um, okay. So... And Perriman's been great. There's only one other receiver on our roster who I think makes that catch, and it's Jarvis. Jarvis made some good contested catches. I there was that one in the first drive. It pisses me off how Jarvis decides sometimes to go up with one hand when he doesn't know that there's defenders coming because he thinks he can make the catch. It was on the first drive. He went up with one hand when he was doing an out route I thought it was to just the sideline. I thought it was just behind him. It was, be- was, it the, was behind him. It was the best way for him to get, get something on it. Get, like, yak yards, you think? He was just like... Well, no, I, I just... It was coming hot, and it was behind him, and so you, you that was maybe the, don't have time to like turn your whole body around. That was the play before the touchdown pass to Perriman. Wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, works out. It was our third offensive play of the game. Um, it's just lulling him to sleep. Like lulling a true him leader. See, we don't even, we don't even so, catch the ball. It's no big deal. I mean, we dominated don't them. For, uh, when we were on defense, Like their first two drives were three and outs. They did nothing. And then... Their third drive is the one that they ended up scoring that touchdown on. But it really was a frustrating drive. Like, we gave them a lot of yards. The Jamie Collins 15-yard, like, helmet-to-helmet penalty kind of gave them life, got them into our side of the... The pass interference was the worst, in my opinion. Looking back at the game, Miles... That was 50 yards. That was a 50-yard play, that pass interference, wasn't it? It wasn't that long. It was more like 35 or something. It got maybe 30. Um... But it still was significant. It put him right on the doorstep of the goal line. But Miles comes, beats the left tackle right off the bat and is held terribly on that play, and they don't call it. But if they call the holding on that play, the pass interference is void. They're offsetting penalties. Like It is so frustrating to me that he seems to never get holding penalties. I, how, many, I how many holding penalties has he drawn? Uh, less season. than his offsides penalties that he's incurred. Which I don't think he was offsides on that on that offsides call either. There was two in this game. He gets called for that all the time, and never do I see it, and I'm like, oh, yep, definitely offsides. It's really close every time. And I actually, when I watched this one He's again, just moving before everybody, but that doesn't mean he's offsides. This time, I think they both were offsides, actually. A lot of times, I think that they aren't. This time I slowed him down again. It's really fun to watch it on replay and slow it down on like slow mo to <laughs> watch. Pass, to, yeah. yeah, to watch and see because you can actually see it better that way whenever it's like half the speed. This time I think they were both just the tiniest bit too early and he actually did cross the line. But it happened twice. Uh, Garrett, a- for the record, had kind of a crappy game. I expected him to do a lot more. And I think by the end of it, he was really huffing and puffing. I think the altitude got to him. But why did the altitude get to him? And I think it got to everybody. It, I yeah. think it got to Baker. Do you think that's the reason why he was throwing the ball too far? I don't know, because he came out the game. Is that, is that a thing? Is the air spinner? spinner? I don't think it is. When you're that accurate, when you're that used to throwing the ball? I think but it was the was, pressure. He was way bad. I think he knew that those defensive ends were coming off the edge, and he had to go quick. All of the... Um, 
when I watched it the second time, I was trying to figure this out too. He looked jittery to me, and he looked like he was forcing passes rather than stepping into them whenever there was pressure coming. Almost all of the overthrows and bad throws, there was pressure coming from somewhere, and he like seemed to get it out quicker rather than in like his natural motion. And that interception right before halftime was brutal. That was just bad. Yeah, we he were over, he overthrew it by five yards, and he forced it like it wasn't there. We, there was Higgins, no separation. Higgins on the right was way more open than Jarvis was. It was like he made up his mind. It looked that way, but the safety would was all over Higgins, and then he jumped on Jarvis's route and made the interception. I don't think either one of them were open. It was, and that was just. It seemed like he made his decision before he even threw the ball. It was like in that Jets game where he threw that ball over the seam and he just snuck it in there, and Jarvis went up and got it. I think that's what he was hoping for. That seam route where Jarvis was just yeah. going to sneak up there and get it right under the safety, um, but it just it just wasn't there. I want to go back to Miles. Um, we we seemingly had a disappointing pass rush the entire game. Our front four were not producing the pressure that we anticipated. And Miles, not only with the offsides and the lack of holding calls, one of the most frustrating things to me was that he didn't make that tackle on the Case Keenum touchdown. It was weird. It's like, how much faster do you think Miles Garrett and stronger and smarter is Miles Garrett than Case Keenum? Just in all categories. Yeah, I think he thought he had him. Like, I think he just thought he was there well, and was did. able to fall and make that swipe. Well, and he did. It didn't he, he got his arms like around the foot, and then the foot came out. You, you just got to be more like, sure than his that. Arm was... It was just unfortunate timing. But if he just waits a little I, bit it longer, seems like he takes another two gonna, steps. He can get yeah. the hips. He needs the Aaron Donald Florida Panther. Yeah. Case Keenum. It just... yeah. It's becoming a theme. Yeah. Um, but he can get into the hip if he like takes two more steps, three more steps. Yeah, but I th- I think he's worried that like he's he, gonna he he gets on and then like Keenum stumbles forward and yeah, you want to make the tackle up. sooner rather than later. I agree with you, Matthew. But because it was third down, wasn't it? Yes. So you make that tackle. It's a it's a field goal. You don't want to give him a chance to to make it to the end zone. But I agree, uh, it was very frustrating. I don't know how he did. The weirdest part point. to me was that he swiped with his right arm and didn't didn't like try to wrap up with both. I'm not. I'm not really sure. That seems like a risky way to make that tackle. Right. It's the timing of the quarterback's <laughs> legs, and that's what it was. It was just unfortunate timing where Keenum planted his feet down. It was disappointing. Yeah, but overall, he struggled, and Denver's offensive line is not good. Uh, right. Garrett Bowles is their left tackle. Fine, but has been injured and isn't a, a super experienced player. I'm coming into this game with – the lack of weapons that they had on offense, I expected our D-line to dominate more than it did. The defense, um, in general, I th- expected to dominate more than it did. We, It was an like interesting I, game, though. It was an interesting game. I almost feel like they played it within the game plan. Like I think that we wanted to just let them do like the little the crap, the little like crap really and, well. stop, and stop the run. I think they were like geared in on stopping Philip Lindsay, which we did. He literally did nothing in this game. He had game. 24 yards. Yeah, I mean, rushing. they completely bottled him up and weren't so worried about receivers going deep. They were just going to keep everything contained and keep it in front of them, which they did. And every time that they threw deep, think about this. I can't think of a deep attempt that wasn't intercepted. <laughs> 
I think the only two deep throws that Case Keenum really attempted there was one were that, the picks. There was at least one down the sideline against Carey that was overthrown. I think it was to Deshaun Hamilton. And there was but also it was late that, in the game. There was that like no, it wasn't super deep, but it was that fifteen yard like back shoulder throw that was on a third down. And that, that, oh, that was a nice. That one. was a nice throw. And that, that was, was like, pass interference. Was a, a pretty deep route. That's true. Yeah. That's um, true. I I feel like the defense played well. And I, I do we, feel like I do feel like it was within the system, and we were trying to keep them in front of us the entire time and stop Philip Lindsay. And there was the two drives that they scored the touchdown on. They were clearly Case Keenum was dinking and dunking, and they were getting underneath, and there was tons of space there. But most of the time, whenever they were throwing it underneath, we were collapsing super hard. With the exception of those two drives, there was just those two drives, which are really penalty ridden. That they went down the field Which and they scored their two they touchdowns. They only scored one touchdown. Um, well, there was one that they. It was the the one drive that was the pass interference that got them right there on the goal line that Case Keenum ended up scoring. And then the other one was um, when they got their first field goal. I think in the first half, the when they went up to ten points, that was there was a couple of penalties in there, but they gave us a ton of penalties too, like. Defensive holding. A lot of defensive There was on one drive, penalties. there was like three defensive holding penalties, which yep. was favorable yep. for sure. But besides those like little things, like I didn't feel like the Broncos were moving well or ever comfortable except for like two, maybe three drives. They strung some things together. I guess this is just one of those games where I look at it and I look at the horses on both sides, Denver's offense and our defense, and I feel so much better about our side of the ball. But we and I on, wanted to we dominate. We held on the 16 points. So, yeah. And forced two turnovers. That's not bad. It just didn't, that, that, it didn't, it didn't feel that way. Like, uh, after those first two drives, like, it kind of felt like they were moving the ball pretty yeah, well. Yeah, but, but if our offense put up, like, 27, if it was 27 to 16. Yeah, like, if we hadn't you, thrown you that interception like the defense, at the end of the half. Like, played, and... played great. It was just the fact that it was close. And we absolutely could have had that extra touchdown if we had, if we had it converted on fourth down there. Got in the end zone. There, and then there was also the points we gave up basically at the end of the half with the interception. Yeah, could have gotten three there for sure. I was almost expecting to. We moved the ball. I mean, that first drive of the second half, we chewed up nine minutes of clock and then fumbled it. Fumbled. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, (laughs) nine minutes of clock and then we fumbled the ball. Nothing to show for it. Yeah. Except for just piddling the game away. Like, I mean, it was kind of just advancing the game. But, but can we talk about how beautiful Nick Chubb looked multiple times during this game on making the most out of some Except runs. Except for that, that drop. The, the drop was bad, but that was right after he had, I was watch, re-watching a the game. Yard play he had a 40-yard play called back right before that, and then he was running that slant inside. I think he was just tired. I mean, it's, he should have caught it for sure, but he just had a 40-yard run that was called back for holding. Greg Robinson held. I, but Nick Chubb has consistently made more out of nothing than I thought then that, that's not what I expected out of him from when we drafted him, and that's... He's good. I'm happy he's our running back. Looked way better than Philip Lindsay. Yeah, that's typically Duke Johnson's role, make nothing out of something, out, something of nothing. out of nothing. Duke cracked me up today, or in this game. He had that one pass that he caught or run or whatever where it was a pass, and he was third down. He was trying to get the first down, 
and he was like three or four yards past the first down line. And as he's going down, you just see the ball pop yes, out with a hand <laughs> like to, to get extra yards. He's just so programmed to try to get every extra yard possible. I was terrified at and the time. And that's why he I fumbles. It, I thought it was a fumble because I just saw the ball come <laughs> out of his five ball. yards past the first yeah. down marker. He doesn't care. He's like going down. The, he has the best body control of any player on the team. Him and he, he can be like David contorting Njoku. himself. Like spinning away from the defender, taking contact, doing whatever, but he knows where the ball is and he knows what direction it needs to go in. Yep. You know who was cracking me up in the post game press conference was Jabril Peppers. They were talking about the fact that they're going to face the Bengals again next week and what he what it means to him oh, to face Hugh Jackson, um, face Hugh Jackson again. And he said something along the lines. It was very nice and kind. And he was like, "Oh, I appreciate Hugh Jackson. I've got nothing against him." Um, I appreciate him bringing me here. I love it here, and I appreciate everything that he's taught me, but it's going to be pretty fun to beat his ass again. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's uh, exactly that's the that's attitude that's, I want. That's exactly what the Browns fans need to get over the fact that he played for Michigan. It's fantastic. Oh, man. Um, so there's this one point in the game where I really thought things were turning south. It was like right at the – bridging like the third quarter going into the fourth quarter and we had a drive that just kind of we had some penalties and it went bad and then von miller had that sack on third down and he's like running down the field and like, it was like everything it, it made him the like record sack yeah leader it for gave the broncos. him the denver broncos all-time sack lead and like all of it the f- fans were all into it like we didn't even convert one first down on that drive so it was going to be good field position for the broncos yep. like it just felt terrible then on the punt, we had a good punt. It went down and was fielded at Col- the 30. Colquitt, vote him to the Pro Bowl, he, Browns fans. Colquitt's been good. He has been. And it was Tavier Thomas, who has been really good in punt and kickoff coverage. Like, really good. Number 27, for those of you who don't have any he clue who Tavier Thomas is. Yeah. yeah. And made a really good play and brought him down, like, instantly. And then there was a, a holding call on that play, too. So they went all the way back to the 20. Huge, huge play. And then one of the first two plays, I don't remember if it was the first or the second play of their drive, was the interception that was thrown to carry. Like, huge swing. Like, our offense got on the field. We were down by three points, got sacked. Huge emotional moment for Von Miller. And then it looked like it was going south for us and completely flipped, and we scored a touchdown on that next drive. That was the game. Yeah. I mean, that's where the game... That was the touchdown. Where, that's where yeah. the, the shift was. Um, so, so, we got two more games left. I'm looking at this stat that says, uh, for all the Browns fans that want to hold on to hopes just to have them dashed, all the masochist Browns fans, there is still a chance that we could make the playoffs. Uh, I'm acting like we're not making the playoffs. I think that's probably the wise thing to do. It's probably wise to act like we're not going to make the playoffs. But if the Colts and the Titans tie in Week 17. They have to lose this week and tie in Week 17. Yes, they have to. So the Colts have to lose to – who do the Colts play? Titans play the Redskins. I don't know who the Colts play. The Ravens have to lose another game and to us. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But I just want to tell our listeners, if you, if you are of the persuasion that you want to still hope, that is the way you can. A tie in Week 17. Okay, I'm acting like that's not happening. That's reasonable. 
because and you should. the odds are so far against it. It was much more reasonable for, say, the Patriots to beat the Steelers and help us out. Screw this the Patriots. Yeah. That's... Screw the Patriots. No. They always win until we need them to win, and then they lose. Yeah. No. Screw the Patriots. What was going to be frustrating, though, is the Relying Steelers. Relying on Cincinnati to the, beat the Yeah, the Steelers <laughs> losing to the Patriots and the Saints, and then needing them to lose to Cincinnati and then beating Cincinnati, and then us tying them in the division, but losing them a tiebreaker. Okay, no, but here, I would have preferred that scenario because it's reasonable for that to happen, for the Steelers right. to beat the Bengals. It's reasonable for that to happen. It didn't seem reasonable for the Patriots to like crap all over themselves losers, at the end of this losers game. Losers of four right. or five or something. Right. Yeah. And it's also more fun for the dream to stay alive for more weeks. And so it would be a lot more palatable for it to us to just come short at the end when it was outside yeah. of our control. Part We've of, done what we needed to part do. Part of me, though, is interested to see these next two games and see how we react now that now that kind of it's not about this season really anymore. I mean, they may still hold on to that hope, but, but there's you're some expected things... to go beat the Bengals because the Bengals aren't good. Now go do it. If we sweep the Bengals and the Ravens... That'd be sweet. Like, I mean... Then our record in the division would be 4-1-1. I mean, like that. How do you not win a if division? You t- that's one. So this is what I wanted to talk about. What are our goals for these last two games? Like that is a huge one to me. Like to win both of these games and be four one and one in the division. That's freaking heading fantastic. into next season with that kind of swagger. Like that we can like Knowing handle you can these teams like beat that. Anybody except for the Steelers, apparently, because we still. Did you hear all the Browns fans chanting "Steelers suck" in the post game press oh, yeah. conference? It was beautiful. And Baker was listening. He just couldn't help but start laughing. They were like asking him a question. He was just dying laughing. He's like, "I love it. That's great. That's awesome." Um, no, I think I think winning the two games is is obviously the, the goal uh, to to have the great division. But also, you'll be able to finish second in the division if yeah. you win the next two games. Which wins the last time we did that? Maybe two thousand seven. Yeah, when we no missed idea. the playoffs at ten and six. Right, we were probably second in the division there, but we haven't been able to do that in a long time. And the Ravens aren't very good. The Bengals are really bad, so we should be able to do that and take that momentum into next year. And the Bengals now have the curse, the curse of Hugh with them, so we can pass the torch of being oh, the losers of the it league. Is, it is just a... What if they hire him as their head coach? disease. What if they fire Marvin Lewis and hire head coach? It'd be great. We'll have a Hugh party. Hugh is the head. We'll have an emergency pod, and we'll just drink, and we'll celebrate, and, <laughs> and we'll laugh, and we'll joke, and we'll be I, generally jovial. I hope it happens. It'll be back to the Bengals of old, like like the Bengals of the, like the, the late 90s. Yeah. So have I told you that I have a f- personal contact who grew up with the Brown family and like knows Mike, Mike Brown's Mike, kids? Mike, Brown. Mike yeah. Brown's kids. And so... like. He's like close with them. They were, I think, they were next door neighbors. Like literally, literally grew up together. Um, and I was giving him a hard time about Hugh Jackson being back there. And he literally said to me, "We're thrilled to have Hugh Jackson on our staff." And I was like, "Okay then, great." I was I like, "Hope he's the head coach." I have no more words for you. That is fine. <laughs> we're thrilled. He is and just- I was like, "Wow." He okay. Is, he is just he is mind effed. Everybody he is in a wolf in snakes or sheep's clothing. Like he pulls the wool over people's eyes left and right. It's unbelievable. It's amazing what he's done. We can all take note, honestly. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, it's amazing what a smile can do. Um, so 
not only would we be second in the division if we win these last two games, we'd have a winning record. Yeah, having a winning we'd record. We'd be 8, is 7, important. and 1. That's huge. Which hasn't happened since 2007. Winning record. I mean, those things to me are worth winning for. And think like, about how strong we would finish the season going into momentum wise into next year. Six of the last seven? Is that oh, what yeah. that's what it would be? Yeah. Yeah. It'd We've won phenomenal. four of the last five right now. I'll take it. And I think this is a very achievable thing for the last two games. 140 more yards for Nick Chubb, so he gets over 1,000. That'd be cool. He's at 860 right now. So if he averages 70 yards Baker, per game in the next two games, he gets there. I like that. How Baker, many touchdowns Baker, does Bake need to Baker tie over the 250. Each he gets a Baker could get to 3,500 yards if he puts if another he 500 like, up. Yep. Wait, isn't Baker close to tying the rookie touchdown record, Peyton Manning's rookie touchdown record? If he gets a couple more touchdowns, I don't know. Let's it's, look Pey- it it's Peyton I think Manning's. We're having internet issues at the moment. Yeah, we are. It's Peyton Manning's rookie touchdown record. We're gonna have to pull out our phones. I'll do it. Um, I think Baker's close to that. That's something to aim for. Um, I want to win these next two games. I know it's gonna affect our draft stock. Quite frankly, I'm out of that phase. I don't care anymore. All right, yep. and we, we got John Dorsey. We have to beat. We have to beat the Bengals. They're without Andy Dalton. They're without AJ Green. They're going to be without Tyler Boyd. It looks like. And Hugh Jackson's on their team. And Hugh Jackson's on their team, which I forgot to mention is the most important thing. It is to me. Twenty-six is the rookie QB touchdown. It's a tie between Russell Wilson and Peyton Manning. Okay, and what's Bake? And Bake has he got two this week, which takes him to twenty-one. 21. He was at 19. So he, so he could. Yeah. It's within reach. Yeah. It's yeah. possible. Definitely five. definitely could lot. tie. That is a lot. Five Def- to tie, six to beat it. That's a lot, but he could get three and three. Bengals suck. We need, Bengals we need three this really week. <laughs> we need at least three or four this week. Uh, uh, he got two this week. I he, mean, he could break it this week. He <laughs> might could. Baker Mayfield, 450 yards, five touchdowns. My favorite Southern idiom, Mike could. Mike could. Mike could. And Jeff Driscoll's heart is just like <laughs> slathered all over did you the see, field. Did you see Driscoll's stat line? Bad. He was like, like 13 to 35 or something so, like that. Something terrible yeah. like that. Why yeah. is it? He finally was, came, to, came to. When he came in against us, he was good in that second half. Why is it that when. It was like the five plays he'd practice. He didn't have all week to like stress you know, out freak about out. It. Yeah. But that happens so often. Like, someone comes into a game and they play well, and then they're going to start a game and they play terrible. I, th- I think it I – th- I really think it has to do with the coaching and the play calling, though. Because if the backup quarterback gets thrown into a game, they've only practiced – they only know a, a handful of different looks and different things, so that's what the play caller has to go to. And then it coming into the next when week, it it's broadens. just this whole universe of – stuff that you're expected to be What's able to that? do. What's that? And on the flip side of the ball, the defensive coaches don't know the tendencies of that player and haven't game-planned around that player. Right. Yeah. Make, makes it a little easier. Yep. Mm-hmm. All so, right. So I want I want two more wins. If we finish the season, win out. Oh. We're primed and ready for next year. I mean, we, we're might, we, might, we might be excited about our off-season podcasts. Woo! Well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Those things are brutal. And we do them for you. I want you to know. Listen. And we only do them once every two weeks. Yeah. And, but that is a chore, and it's for you. <laughs> um, all right, so there was that article. Michael, you wanted to talk about the article talking about looking forward to next season and how many wins we think we could potentially get next season. And I've got an argument about we could have had that many wins this year. Well, 
Doug Maurice just he shot his shot this week. He's kind of he's kind of he's, he's been, been leading he's been up to this off for three years. Well, you know, he's only been a part of the Plain Dealer staff for a couple of years, I think, and the whole it kind of coincided with right about when Sashi came on board, and he tried to bring a realistic perspective to what was going on and preach patience to the Browns fans. He was a very welcome voice for me as a Browns fan that believed in what Sashi was doing. And he said, just wait, just wait. This is a three-year rebuilding process. Like, we're not doing it for now. And he finally took a shot. And he t- wrote the article saying that the Browns are the favorites in the NFC North, or the AFC North, heading into next season. And that by his projection, looking at the schedule for the teams and the opponents that we know of, that he expects a 12-4 and four record. Which is bold. 12-4 will be a buy. Like, that'll be a first-round buy. Oh, yeah. Likely in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. So That's ridiculous. As he walks through it, it's not insane to actually imagine that happening. Um, we have some favorable um, division matchups next year. We, play, we match up against the AFC East. Which is nice because Patriots that's how the Patriots are good one. every year because the Patriots play against the freaking AFC East. Yeah, everybody talks about Belichick and Tom Brady. They forget about the third leg of that trifecta. It's the <laughs> AFC, <laughs> the East. AFC East. The, the rest of it. I contend that that if we win these next two games, if we beat the Bengals and the Ravens, that could have been our record this year. Okay. You take the Oakland game, which. I think we can all okay, agree. So you think 12 and 4? 12 and 4 could have been our record right now if we win these next two games. You take the Oakland game, which everyone can agree that we did win. Okay, so that put would that bring in us the win to column. 9 and 6. Assuming yes. we win out the last ones, okay? 9, 6, and 1. No, no 9. Okay, right. 9, 6, and 1. We have a competent kicker where we finish out that Steelers game. We split with the Steelers, right? It's not, it's not unfeasible to think that we win that game. We had countless okay. opportunities. So that's 10 and 6. 10 and six. Then we also beat the um, Bucks, which we overtime should have game. beat the Bucks. It was an overtime game. 11 and five. 11 and five. All right. And then the Saints game that went to overtime? The Saints game went to overtime, but it's reasonable. I'm going to give the, that game to the Saints. Um, and then we lost to the Chargers. We lost to Kansas City. Should have lost. We lost to Steelers. the Steelers, which we, we split with them. And then what was our last loss? What would be our last Texans. loss? The Texans. Okay, so 11-5 and five definitely could have been our record this year. So I don't think 12-4 and four is absurd. That's not like a crazy outlandish thing to say. Yeah, you say that, but it's also true that like these last couple games that we pulled off are like those tight games that we could have easily that you lost. squeak out. Right? Like... How easily like could we have Broncos lost game? this game against the Broncos? And how easily could we have lost our game against the Panthers? Like, that was almost just as close of a game. Just as easily as we could have won, though. So you're saying I know, like I feel everything. like they balance out. You know what I mean? We had a couple, like, close, and that's going to happen. So I agree. I just think the 12-4 and four is, like, incredibly optimistic. It is, it is optimistic, but you look at who we get to play. We get to play at home, Buffalo... And Miami, WW, which are those are almost automatic wins. Like you, yeah. you have to expect to win those games. Yeah, we don't even know who the quarterback's going to be for Miami. And then our like difficult doesn't matter, does it? 
our difficult opponents from the, the NFC West, we get at home as well. So Los the Rams have to come to Cleveland. The Seahawks have to come to Cleveland. And we get to travel to um, Arizona and the 49ers, which is how you would want that to fall. Yeah. Right? Like, all of those... That's where we should go. We should go to the 49ers game next year. That'd be fun. All of those essentially become options be to win because of where That's they are. That's not bad. <laughs> so I, I, I mean, twelve and four is optimistic because te- uh, teams don't go twelve and four very often. I'd be very happy with ten and six. I mean, you're going to lose some games that but you think you're going to lose. Teams also you're don't win. win six, seven, eight more games than they won the previous year very often. That's what we've done this year. At least six. At least six. I love that Greg Williams already has more wins than Hugh Jackson did his entire career. <laughs> At the Browns. With the Browns. Oh. Greg I, Williams is four and two. I love that too. Way more. I mean, Hugh only won three. Oh, man. In all three years. Unbelievable. I mean, he had a bu- like a worse rap, but Hugh managed to squeeze out losses at the beginning of the yeah. season. And I'm, I'm glad about how it all played out. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad we lost to Oakland. I'm glad that all of this happened. Why? Because oh, if we did, then fired. we would still have Hugh. And that's not worth it. But imagine how good we could have been if we didn't have Hugh to start the season. I mean, yeah, I, I can't I even mean, imagine. And that's, so those are the losses that I pin on um, ownership. There's a on, lot of things, though. Jimmy Haslam. Okay. Like, I don't, I don't blame, like, the original Hugh hire on Jimmy. Like, it was a reasonable I, I hire. It was a good hire at Michael the time. was super excited about it. Everybody was excited about it at the time. Like, <laughs> the national media was excited about it at the time. The Giants were going to hire Hugh Jackson if he didn't agree to come to the Browns, right? Yep. Um, so you can't knock him for that. You can knock him for hanging on too long. And we could have been in a position coming into this year with a fresh start, with a good young team, and we would be in the playoff hunt right now. We'd probably be in that sixth wild card spot or yes. tied for the division. But lead. it's so hard to make that distinction because a, a terrible thing you can do as an owner and a GM is fire people too fast. And that, but it, but it that rarely has been, happens. But that has been the story of the Browns for a long time. Like if Mike Pettin had been our coach through all of that, where do you think we would be right now? If Mike Pettin had been our coach for six years, what do you think we'd be looking like right now? I think we'd be freaking good. Maybe. Probably. Nope. Right? Like, and so, like, I think it's a, it's a really hard distinction a, to make, and I can understand. But, but Mike Pettin's I can understand. probably the only one of the coaches that we've had in the past, like, six or seven, so, yeah. six Pat or Schirmer, eight years. Pat Schirmer, Schirmer, no. But, yeah, but I think, I think that Chad's it's honorable. I think it's honorable to hang on to someone longer as opposed to being quick to the trigger. And I would, if I was picking my ownership, I would choose for my ownership to be more... Choose the guy who gave Hugh Jackson two and a half years? I would. Over a person who is quick to the trigger to fire someone after the you. first year or you. the second year. I'm with you, Mark. I think that that's a better... And I, I would want them to err on the side of caution. I'm with you. I was thinking about this the other day. I was going to save this for like once the season's actually over, but it fits within this context of this conversation. Think about what our week one team looked like from top to bottom organizationally. Our head coach was Hugh Jackson. Our offensive coordinator was Todd Haley. Our starting left tackle was uh, Desmond Harrison. Our starting quarterback was Tyrod Taylor. Our number one wide receiver was Josh Gordon. 
Like, that was week one of this season. Seems forever ago. That is crazy. You listen to our off-season podcast. We're talking about a completely different team. Yeah. That is crazy. All of those things are completely changed, and we're winning. Yeah? That's so nuts. You, you can't fault John. That is nuts. Power Anyways. to you, John. All right. Uh, we we're should get to our up. picks. Yeah. Um, so we pick the lines of the games every week, the primetime games, and we're a bunch of brothers, so we like to compete against each other. And uh, how'd we do last week, Michael? Michael keeps track of it on a handy-dandy Excel spreadsheet. He's a wizard. So... Got him. Uh, Zoom. Matthew and I picked <laughs> the same games, and we split 50-50. Mark won an extra game on That's top right. of us. That's the right, one he I picked did. different I, than I, us. I told you shouldn't have picked mine, Michael. <laughs> hey, 50-50 is good. In betting, in betting, 50-50 is what I'm shooting for. Anything else is gravy. Um, so I'm not complaining. I'm holding on to my lead. But Mark is within range. He only has to make up three games over the last two weeks. Let's and go. now that we have two Saturday Ooh. games, we've got an extra game each week to pick. Oh, in my favor. So, when, when was I statistically eliminated? Uh, <laughs> How many weeks ago? It was probably... Two weeks ago? Just now. It was yeah. probably just now. Okay. You're now statistically eliminated. Okay. <laughs> so these games are hard. I put these picks together. So... And I don't know what I'm going to do for any of them, quite honestly. Washington at Tennessee with the Titans favored by 10. That's a big line. Isn't that Washington the, rallied wait, with Josh Johnson. early game on Saturday? Are we picking the early and the late game on Saturday? Yeah. yeah. We're okay. going to pick both Saturday cool. games. That works great for me. Um, Sunday night and the Browns game. Love it. Yeah. So Washington at Tennessee. Tennessee favored by 10. Marker going to this game. I am going to this game. What do you expect to see, and what is your pick? Tennessee's playing really well right now. They shut out the Giants, and the week before that—that's not hard. But they, the week before that, they absolutely dominated. Derrick Henry is playing like a man on fire. Um, the Jaguars, who also suck. The Jaguars who lost like, to the Cody Kessler has yeah less than hundred yards, I think, in Oof. this game. Who did the Jags lose to? Another terrible team. But no, the Giants. The Giants have won. They're on like a multiple. They're stringing some wins together. They finally started to pull it together, and then they got completely dominated by the Titans. The Titans are Pat fighting. Shermers. The Titans and the Redskins. Actually, it's an interesting game. They're both fighting. They're both in the oh, hunt for the playoffs. That's who the Jags lost to. Was the Redskins? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's bad. <laughs> I do think the Redskins are bad, which is why I'm going to pick the Titans to win by more than ten points. Ooh. Okay. Um, there he goes, and he's dropping his headphones at the same time. Um, I just think the line's too much. I got to go with the Redskins. Yeah, I, I don't like the Titans winning, beating anybody by 10. Yeah. Um, telling you, the Redskins, what's the name of the guy that's playing quarterback for the Redskins now? It's a very normal name, Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson. Who was, <laughs> it's like the most like vanilla name. <laughs> who was a, a worse option than Mark Sanchez? An option after Mark Sanchez. It's just like they're not going to be able to do a thing. Well, we will see what happens on Saturday. <laughs> they're going to run the ball. Um, all right. Takes us to the next game, which is the Ravens at the Chargers, with the Chargers favored by four and a half. Hmm. This is another tough one. And I th- does anyone know what 
I should have looked this up before the podcast, but what is the status of Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler? Because I feel Melvin like that Gordon's gonna factors play. into this. I think Gordon's going to play. Gordon's he should be play. back by now. Okay. So that's Not in time to save my fantasy team, but... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Matthew, you pick this one first. Chargers by four and a half. It's in L.A. The Chargers' defense is great, and their offense is even better. I, I think they're going to beat the Ravens by more than four and a half. They're going to be able to scheme to corral Lamar Jackson, and they're not going to have a trouble putting up points. All right, Mark. I agree. Chargers. The Ravens have a lot to play for. They really need to keep winning. I Do it. Do it. <sighs> Do it. The safe thing for me to do is to take the Chargers because what if, if bad happens to you? Um, so you're just gonna at do LA. That? The thing is, LA doesn't really have a home field advantage. They also need to keep winning though because they want to win that division and be finish ahead of the Chiefs. I'm gonna go with Baltimore. I like that defense. Yes, I'll do it. Um, KC minus two and a half. At Seattle. Another interesting game. These are all really interesting picks that for me. It's so interesting. KC minus two and a half at Seattle. Why are they dogs? Why are they dogs? What do you mean? They're not dogs. They're going to favor to win by two and a oh, half. But favor to win by two. You're right. Gotcha. Yeah. But, but still, it's a hard one to pick. And that's it's at Seattle, like, on in a night game. Is Seattle like, playing for anything right now? Yeah, they're, they're in the I mean, they're in the playoffs. They're leading their division, no, or they're in the no, wild card spot. They're, they're in the wild, wild card, card spot, spot pretty firmly. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Kansas City in this. They've been disappointing the last couple of weeks, coming off the loss to the Chargers. Um, kind of lost their luster. Their defense isn't um, playing. It hasn't ever been great this season, but it's kind of letting them down. Um, I think they'll figure it out, put it to the playoffs. I don't like that. Seattle defense that much, especially like without the their defense. insider trader. No, I without <laughs> Michael Kendricks for those of you who missed the reference. Yeah. Um, so the injury out for the year, but they want him back after his prison sentence. Okay, but last said. Monday night, last Monday night, did they, they make a public release and said that? I don't know. There was a report. Did they that say they were interested sentence? in bringing him back after his prison sentence? We want him back after he gets out of prison, which is like only white collar crime. Imagine can me. you can you say that <laughs> like get away with it in public from a PR perspective? That's pretty funny. <laughs> It's like if you had a DUI or like beat your wife or did yeah. whatever and like went to prison, you couldn't be like, yeah, we yeah, want to back, back after, after all sentence. that. Yeah. <laughs> he robbed a bank, but we'll take it back once he serves his time. No, he listened to a tip. Yeah. Uh, I actually like the Seattle defense. I mean, didn't they just have a shutout last week on Monday night? I like their defense. I think their offense is trash, and they haven't done anything. And so I don't trust – if you're going to beat Kansas City, you got to score a ton of points. Like I know that Kansas City is going to score on Seattle, even if I like their defense. So I'm picking Kansas City just because I don't think Seattle's going to be able to score enough to keep up. Yeah, I'm really impressed with what Pete Carroll's done with this Seattle team. For sure, it's I think the best thing he's done as a head coach so far. I, they were fragmented pieces and all that shenanigans during the off season. Um, I'm gonna go with Kansas City too, just because I feel like <laughs> two two. I'm really impressed with Pete Carroll. But. I am, I am, but I don't think I. I think it's amazing where they are, but I don't think that. 
a two and a half points. Like Kansas City's definitely the better team throughout the entire year. I don't that two and a half points is not enough. It's a field goal. Kansas City wins by a field goal. I win. I'm going with Kansas City. Yep. Okay. We all pick KC. It's probably not going to happen then. Doesn't matter what happens. <laughs> so Cincy at Cleveland, our Browns game. I think we all feel good about this game since we kind of crushed them last time. It's Jeff Driscoll, no AJ Green. Like this is gotta, it's at home. This has got to be Browns the have biggest a bunch of momentum. line the Browns have had. What's your guess? So you haven't seen it yet. What's your guess as to what the line is? Seven and a half. Good guess. Seven points. Okay. Full touchdown. It's a full touchdown. That's a lot. For the Brownies. Um, division games just seem always close. Like, I just, the thought of us blowing them out twice in one season seems crazy. Not crazy. It's a completely different team than when we saw them last time. I, I, you mentioned this earlier. Like, it'll be interesting to see how, what our mindset is going into this game. Like, we should crush them if we show up and play. Yeah. But, It'll be telling. If we do show up and crush them, it's like, oh, man. It, I, I think that type of statement game is going to be the type of thing that is a feather in Greg Williams' cap as a potential future head coach of this team. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think we're going to beat them. I think we're going to crush them. This, I think this Bengals team is packed up and ready to go home. They've just been hammered by injuries this season. They, none of their players are still out there. Um, and Greg Williams doesn't care. Greg Williams wants to go out and he wants, wants to beat to, you up and take he your lunch. He wants to destroy Hugh Jackson. Oh, too. yeah. No, he's been here for two years. He's not going to say it. He's not going to say it, but like. Yeah. Greg, I bet Gre- he tells the team. Greg Williams is the kind of guy. <laughs> he's going to say, I who, want to beat that man. Who doesn't care, and he wants to beat the crap out of you and then do it again. And, and players that's what respond to that. Yeah. That's what the players want to do, too. Oh, absolutely. If Especially if you've been here for a while. Like, if this is your first year on the team, maybe you won't respond to it. But if you were here last year and you remember what it felt like, like riding this wave of winning, even though there's not, like, the playoff carrot out there anymore, like, it's got to feel good. And it's got to be able to get yourself up for this game. And Baker's hype for this game. He's oh, been yeah. tweeting out about Cleveland. He wants the place packed. He wants to win. Yeah. Last home game of the season? I could understand the argument that the Browns have nothing to play for, but I think that this is so much more than the playoffs. I think they have everything to play for. They have the past three years to play for. They have statements to make. They want to go 4-1-1 one, and one in the division. They want to leave themselves favorably. They say they don't hate Hugh Jackson and they appreciate him, but they do. They hate him. And I know Demarius Randall is going to come to play on Sunday. Hope he delivers another ball speaking, on the sideline. Speaking of Demarius Randall. Yeah. He's our leading tackler on the season. I just saw. More than Schobert? Yeah. Well, Schobert had those games that he was out. Schobert was out for a few games. Randall was huh. too. Randall's but... been there just about every single game. I think he missed one. I still, Even if you had asked me, I think I probably would have picked Peppers over Randall between the two players, like at safety. Randall's been everywhere. That's anyway, crazy. I don't know if I said it, but I'm going with the Browns. Matthew said it. You said it. And Lord knows I'm not picking against the Browns. So... It's a clean sweep. So what, there's a chance for me to go one more game than you this week? Correct. All right. And I'll just no, two. Two? Two. Mm. Tennessee, and you pick Tennessee, I pick Washington. You pick the Chargers, I pick Baltimore. Okay. So there we go. This could be interesting. Could be. 
All right. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We appreciate you. Be sure you shave with Barbasol. Barbasol pays for this whole podcast. That's how we break even. Um, we really appreciate them. And uh, you should throw them some bones because they threw us some. Um, thanks so much for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week. Go Browns. Go Browns. Thank you.